tools for living, room to grow, a space of grace to become everything God wants us to be. You're listening to The Living Room Podcast with Joanna Weaver, episode 52. Well, hey there, my friends. I am just so honored that you chose to tune in to the podcast today. Uh, You know, one of my favorite things about this format is that we get to talk about important topics with people who have a lot of wisdom. And today is no exception. In fact, I'll tell you what, I've really been looking forward to talking to Mary DeMuth because she has insight into some of the hot topics that that honestly is hard to have conversations around. And today we're going to talk about the importance of prayer and living biblically, knowing the Word of God so that it shapes our lives. But then we navigate the emotionally charged and often deeply divided world in which we live, even in the church. I love it when God brings people across your path that you've admired from a distance, but you get to meet in person and you think, oh my word, they're even cooler than I thought. (laughs) And Mary DeMuth, you are one of those people. I just so appreciate your heart for Jesus, your generosity to people, and your willingness to speak truth, God's truth, when sometimes it's difficult to hear. And um, we're going to be kind of delving into that, but we're also going to be talking about your new book, Pray Every Day. But there's so many things I can't wait to talk to you about, Mary DeMuth. Welcome to the living room. Hey, it is great to be in your living room and it's cozy here. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. I love it. Your cyber living room. (laughs) Exactly. Kind of a virtual living room. Now, where are you located at, Mary? I'm in North Texas near Dallas. Awesome. Awesome. And I'm so we're just almost next door neighbors. I'm in I'm just above you in Montana. So close. <laughs> Several thousand miles away. <laughs> just down the lane. That's right. That's right. Well, Mary has just has had a voice in the Christian women uh, realm for so many years, author of 42 books. And her newest one is Pray Every Day, which is, am I right to assume that that kind of came out of your podcast? It did. Exactly. Um, I My podcast is almost three years old now, and uh, it's a very simple format. I read scripture and then I pray. It's about five minutes long. Um, and what pray every day is, is one of the things I wanted to do is explore the actual prayers of the Bible. And, uh, this is a 90 day devotional. There's a little more than 90 prayers in the Bible, not much more. And so it was really fun to, I'd never really seen that explored before. So it was really fun to explore what are the Mm. prayers of the Bible? And then what does that mean for me? And how do I, you know, move forward in prayer? And what do I, what can I learn about prayer every single day for 90 days that uh, may change my prayer life? Mm, That's so beautiful. It's a, it's a lovely book and so approachable. What do you think, you know, as you spent that time looking at the prayers of the Bible, what were some of the main things you learned about prayer? Well, I think there's just so many different types of prayers. And um, one of the ones that I I really appreciate is the lament psalms. Uh, These are prayers of of lament, and they go through a very specific format. Um, And the fun thing about a lament psalm is it starts with why, why, why? (laughs) Why is all this bad stuff happening? And then it ends with reminding ourselves of the goodness of God. And that's been a really nice pattern for me to follow 
particularly when the world fell apart <laughs> this last yeah. year, um, we can lament. There's scriptural uh, foundation for doing that. It's okay to say, I don't understand. It's okay to say, where are you, God? This is all part of the prayer life that we can have. That's so beautiful. I really do love that about the Lord, that He doesn't ask us to tidy up our prayers before we come, but to pour out our hearts. And I, I think sometimes we're afraid to be honest about where we're at. Why, why do you think that is? Well, logically, it doesn't make any sense because if God is omniscient, he already knows. And so right. why would we try to hide it from him? It's not going to work. Um, but I think we don't do it because we're afraid. And I also think we don't really understand the relational aspect of God. Prayer is not a transactional thing. It's actually a relational thing. And so mm -hmm. God is always pursuing us in relationship. And when we pray, we're simply having a conversation with him. And when we don't pray, then we are not having a conversation with him. So it's important that we just, he knows it all already. And he's, it, we're not going to take him by surprise by telling him this really hurts. This is confusing, confusing to me. And the reason that we do it and the reason God wants us to do it is that he wants to be with us in relationship when we are going through stress and trauma. Yeah. Yeah. I, and I think that that's a thing that we forget is, is that he really is God with us. And for me, you know, God's just kind of doing something new in my prayer life that I've actually been praying for years. And it's that, that it would become more real and more vibrant. And one of the simple little things that has changed prayer for me is to consciously come into his presence. You know, sometimes I just pull out my prayer. I do my prayer. I do my prayer thing. I read my Bible and then, you know, God bless dinner and all of that. And I don't really realize the privilege that I've been given and we've been given to come into the very throne room of heaven. How has praying every day changed that aspect for you? I think it's been more of a, even though God is holy, 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 and I, I revere him as such, there's a a deeper camaraderie that comes the more I pray, pray and the more I understand that this is real. And like you said, just imagining it or thinking of it as this is a privilege and this is real and I'm in God's presence right now. And he is, that word with is really powerful. We just jumped off of a season of, uh, of Christmas and Advent and that word with Emmanuel, God with us is such a powerful word. And yeah. I think we've lost a little bit of that. It's not about us trying to perform Christianly. It's about us being discipled by Jesus. Yeah. Well, and acknowledging his presence within me. I think that's been another thing that's been so sweet. Sometimes we can let prayer be like us throwing a prayer out up to heaven somewhere when Christ himself by his spirit lives in us. And we can have this holy dialogue with him. And I love that you just give us just a format to follow in just a couple of pages, not much more than one page a day to just begin to almost prime the pump in prayer. And then I, I sure hope people will check out your podcast. You guys, uh, Mary's podcast is, has over 1.5 million downloads. And if you're needing a little bit help of 
in prayer. I just really suggest that you get it. I know of, um, that it's available. It's available for like Alexa, right? You can just say, hey, play, pray every day or, or add it to your playlist. Is that right? It is. You can ask Alexa and uh, Amazon will pray for you. No, it'll be me. <laughs> for you. Uh, but yeah, it's, uh, it's wherever podcasts are. Pray every day on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, all the places that you would listen to this pos- podcast that you're doing, Joanna, would be where you'd find that one. I love it. I love it. Well, you know, living in this time right now, we're um, we're recording this interview in January. Uh, we are in between presidents. We just had the Capitol riots. Um, we are still um, going through the turmoil and the division that has gripped our country. And, you know, it's so easy to talk about the issues. It's so easy to worry about the issue. But I, God's just really been cha- challenging me, Joanna. You don't have to lead change. I want you to intercede change. Hmm. And there's power in our prayers. How do we how do we take all of our confusion to the Lord in prayer during this time rather than just either internalizing it or spewing it over anybody and everybody who will listen? <laughs> well, one way is just to have the practice of writing out your prayers. I have found that I become more methodical about it and clearer when I write them out. Um And then another is sometimes it just helps to get on your knees in that position of humility and just, just say it like it is. Um, And then another way to broaden your prayer life is to read scripture, just like what we do on pray every day. I read scripture, then I pray, read scripture and use that as the outline for what you pray about that day. And I can honestly tell you every single day I pick up scripture, there is something in there that prompts me to pray for something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I love that you bring this up because, you know, I want to pray God's will, not my opinions. Yeah. And it's so easy. You know, you and I were talking before we came on um, the importance of the word of God in our lives. Can you share what God's been doing in you in that area? Well, I just felt really compelled about, I think it's been a year and a half or two years ago that I really need to know the story of the Bible. And so I started rapid reading the Bible um, from beginning to end uh, about, I think I've done about eight to 10 times now in a two to three month period. And what that has done for me has caused me to really understand the story of God, the story of people, uh, the story of of redemption. And it makes me have these connections between the Old and New Testament that I never had before that I wouldn't have gotten by just deep studying. I am reading fast. I'm reading 30 pages of the Bible a night or a morning. And I would highly recommend that to anyone who wants to have a spiritual practice that will absolutely change their lives. Do that. I mean, we're on social media hours and hours a day, one hour of your life reading the Bible every day will change your life. That's so powerful. So what have you learned from that practice of rapid reading? I have learned, first of all, just to be in awe of God. But I also have learned the whole redemptive story arc 
and what God was doing all along. And we see it mm. in the very first chapter of the Bible, and we see it at the fall of mankind. Uh, we see it in Adam naming his wife Eve, the mother of all the dawn, of all the living. And he named her after the fall. He did. She, she was just called mm. woman prior to that. And we just see this, this hand of redemption. And even in the curses that they endured, there was still that little thread of Things are going to be okay. God is going to intervene for his people and his heart for the nation of Israel, but his heart for the whole world and how Israel was supposed to be a city on the hill. There was just so much that I learned that I would not have gotten by just studying one book at a time in isolation, but I connected so many dots and it caused me to really love the scripture, but understand the message of the Bible better. I love that. And I think I think if we're only being fed on Sundays or, you know, in a podcast here and there, a sermon here and there, we're going to miss that overarching story and we're going to miss the hope that we have in Jesus Christ because without him, then we have every reason to be hopeless and helpless and a little bit afraid. But when you see God at work, um, wow. And I think that's the thing that I realized. Wait a minute. There's a bigger story going on than what I'm seeing right here. But if we don't know the Bible, we're not going to have that hope. I so agree. And it's it's just important to remind ourselves to have um, what a theologian would call eschatological living. And what that means is to live in light of what will come. So we're in the between the now and the not yet. And what is to come is we're living in the kingdom right now. We're in the inauguration of the kingdom of God. But there will be a time when there will be no more tears. There will be a time when there's a new heavens and a new earth. There will be a time when all the wrongs will be made right. And if we have our confidence in that, very little can move us here on this earth. Uh, the fear has to go away and it has to dissolve into faith and trust that God is going to work out everything for his glory. That's it. That's it. And that means we've got to know the word of God so that we can think biblically. You know, I, I feel like so many people are thinking politically, mm -hmm. but we need to think biblically because there is no man on earth, no political party that has all the answers. Only, only the word of God, only Jesus Christ. And I so, I just so appreciate your emphasis on that and bringing us back to the word because his word is truth. I, you know, these last couple of months, and with all the fake news and with all all the propaganda from every single side, uh, you know, you just, you don't know what you can trust. And I keep thinking of Pontius Pilate's response to Jesus when he said, what is truth? You know, and it sounds so cynical, but I find myself kind of thinking, Lord, what is truth? And that's where I think coming back coming back to the Word of God, because it endures forever. It's unchanging. It's forever steadfast. But if we're putting our hope in people, wow, lots of problems. Well, one of the things that I've been thinking about a lot is the global church. And we in the United States have had a pretty easy um, go of it in terms of like uprisings and civil wars. We've had a few of problems, you know, obviously, but I, I have really taken note from some of my brothers and sisters in war-torn countries or countries that have, you know, coup d'etats and things like that. And I've realized 
their faith is something to imitate because they know what it's like to not have any trust in their governmental systems and in their leaders and all of that. Um, it's caused me to just look at them. And what I see when I look at people that are being persecuted for their faith, I see them looking to that other world. I see them looking on eternal things and not things of this world. If we're looking at the things of this world to cause us to have happiness and peace and all of that, we're looking in the wrong place. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. Right. And he said, but I have overcome the world. And so we have to look to eternal things. We have to look to the promises of Jesus and uh, our brothers and sisters who have endured difficult governments and difficult experiences have a lot to teach us about obeying Christ in the midst of turmoil. Exactly. And sometimes, sometimes I think that their their faith and the purity of their faith is more powerful because of the persecution than having it everyone thinking the same way that that they do. And so, yeah. Oh, so how do we get there? How do we how do we pull our hearts away from the peripheral things and the distractions and come back to just Lord, what do you say? And more importantly, how do you want me to live? Because I, I have this feeling that we're sometimes so busy pointing our fingers at everybody else that we're not really letting the Holy Spirit show us, what is my attitude in this situation? Where, where, is, where have I lost my love? Where has my opinion become more important than people? And that, that is found in letting the truth of God's word shine on our hearts. And that's one of the things, my friend, that I have appreciated about you because you've been willing to be part of some really hard conversations in the church about things that honestly, most of us really don't want to talk about it. And so before all of the political division, before Black Lives Matter. Uh, you know, it, it's not been very long ago, even though sometimes it feels like forever. But there was the Me Too movement where women were saying, I have been sexually violated. And I have appreciated that you were willing to step into that arena and say, the church needs to hear these voices and not just shut them up, not just sweep them under the rug. And so one of the many books that you've written is called We Too, How the Church Can Respond Redemptively to the Sexual Abuse Crisis. And again, it's not, it's letting God's word shine on the darkness so that his light can come. What, what did you learn during that journey? What was that like for you? Well, again, I think this goes back to having a a bibliocentric worldview of looking at what Jesus actually said in the New Testament. And even looking at what Paul talked about, where he talks about the lesser members of the body actually be being more important. Um, I think instead of viewing people who have been traumatized as drains on our resources or as people who keeps bringing up difficult things, we actually should look at them as um, we should welcome them as people we can learn from. They're actually one mm -hmm. of the most beneficial parts of the body of Christ. And we want to shut the door on them because it's messy. But if you have a, someone who's gone through sexual trauma and they have walked a hard healing journey, which it is a lifelong journey, um, there is so much 
richness of what they have learned of the of the power of God, of the healing of God, of of the God of justice and all of these things, they are our tutors to lead us to Christ. And so when we shut them out, we are shortchanging our church growth. We're shortchanging our personal growth. We're shortchanging our relationship with God because we learn more about Jesus when he wears a distressing disguise than when we associate with all the cool people. Oh, you're so right. And he, and he said, if you do it to the least of these, if you care and if you love for those that are, you know, quote unquote, less than or messy or whatever you want to say, we do it to him. And so it's like we shut our eyes. I, I think about the Black Lives Matters movement, and I know that there is so much, so much division about that, and that there's some things that uh, go on behind the scenes in that movement that yes is wrong, and yet we cannot just say, well, because there's part of it wrong, then we don't have to look at that and say, God, how should we respond? We've got to, I mean, Scripture, the good news is that is that we are called to love those who are hurting and those who are oppressed. So we cannot afford as the body of Christ to shut our eyes anymore. What do you think, as, as the church, how can we do a better job in loving those who have been traumatized or marginalized? Well, I was talking with my husband about this recently as we were talking about how you can't even say anything anymore about anything without getting yelled at on social media. And I, because of COVID, we have not been able to have a table spirituality. And so our mm. only spirituality has been on social media megaphone platforms. And the answer is the table. The answer mm -hmm. is sitting down with people and loving them and hearing their perspective um, and having friendships with people who are different from you and asking questions and honestly wanting to hear the answer instead of trying to think of the defensive way that you can defend your view. It will change you forever. Of course, there's truth. Of course, the Bible is very clear on that. But it's also very clear that we are supposed to love God and love our neighbors. And if we don't love our neighbors, First John says, you don't really love God. So yeah. we need to have more tables and less platforms. Hmm. Oh, I like that. I like that. So how do we, you know, I've been thinking of the verse so, so much where, where it, it says, let your reasonableness be evident mm. to all. <laughs> you know, And I feel like we have lost all reasonableness. We can't even agree to disagree on things. How do we come to that place where we can have an, where we can have a conversation and not have to have the answers or not have to have a debate, but really hear one another? Well, this is something I learned when uh, we were church planters in France. And this is when I learned, this is why you have to go to other countries sometimes to understand and dissect your own, because I didn't know that this was true of us. But I realized when we would have conversations around tables in France, that I would have friends who would be very vehement about a particular political view or just any view about anything. And then, and they would just be so great about arguing their point. And I'd argue against, and then we would always part as friends. But the other thing that they would do is they would then flip it and then take on the other argument just for fun. Mm -hmm. They had this ability to say, I like the debate of it and we're still going to kiss each other's cheeks at the end. But it, I realized that Americans, we tie our words to our worth and we mm -hmm. always have to win. And therefore, if I, 
if I if I perceive that you're winning an argument, then my worth goes down. I have lost and I have no worth. And so therefore, I have to uh, push myself upward to beat you so that I can win so that I can have worth. And I think that's something that we need to really look into in our own pride and realize, no, we can actually disagree and still love each other. It is possible. I know it's possible. I've seen it. Oh, so good. So good. You know, I love even the example that we see of Paul in Acts where he goes to these pagan cultures, but rather than shouting them down, he finds those places of common ground and and their his reasonableness, his reasoned conversation brings light in life. And I'm like, oh God, I, I can get so heated with my opinion that I just want to be heard. I don't want to really hear. And in that process, I miss out on the richness because, you know, I've discovered that even when I'm right, I can be wrong. (laughs) If, If the spirit behind my opinion, I might be even talking about biblical things, but if I've got the wrong heart and the wrong spirit, God cannot bless it. It will only polarize us further. And that's my heart and prayer. To be honest, I just even constantly having to bring my heart into check and going, I don't like what this is stirring up in me. Uh, I feel like I'm on the on the side of justice, but God, you're the only righteous judge. Mm-hmm. So how do, I mean, when you were walking this journey of talking, bringing truth and light to sexual abuse in the church and how we handle it, I'm sure there were some difficult conversations. How did you keep your heart in the right spot to be able to give a reasoned yet loving response? I think I kept the broken people in mind and that kept me going forward, knowing that I was in a way taking one for the team. I was pioneering and I've I've been talking about this issue since the mid uh, 1990s. So it's not like I have not talked about this before, but no one would listen until (laughs) me too came along. Um, but I had to keep people who have been hurt by the church in mind to, to, you know, to propel me for, forward to keep saying the things. And that meant that I had to say to myself, there will be people within my denomination. There will be people within my church. There will be people that vehemently disagree with me. There will be people that say, why do you have to drag up that stuff? There will be people that have kind of an easy grace or cheap grace and say, oh, that was so long ago. You should just forgive them. It's no big deal. Um, I had to realize and count the cost and still go forward. Like the the guy that Jesus said, you have to look at the tower, decide what the cost is and count it before you build the tower. Otherwise, everyone will look at you and say, well, he didn't know what he was doing because he didn't count the cost. I had to count the cost prior to jumping in. But to be honest, just to finish that story and not on a triumphant note, it was so hard on me and so difficult on my soul. And I walked through so much spiritual warfare that year that I had to take a very long, um, at least long for me, sabbatical to detoxify from all the pain and all the arrows. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of wonder if we're not going to need to do that (laughs) as well. So how do we, how do we do that? If we're feeling like we are, we've been just honestly poisoned over this last season, how do we detox? Well, part of that is to uh, unplug some social media channels that are loud and yelling 
and and to instead uh, invest in human beings' lives and uh, read the Bible and connect with people who are restorative to you um, instead of those kind of disembodied voices that are causing you harm. Sometimes we just need to turn that off. Yeah, I think you're right. I, I've I've found that I've got to be really careful about who I'm listening to. But then when I do listen to one opinion, to be willing to hear the other side. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we only ingest what reaffirms our position. And and then again, I think that makes me, hardens me into a viewpoint. It, it can even push me to an extreme viewpoint. So coming back to this whole idea, am I willing to hear differing views, uh, receive people's opinions and love them there? I feel like something weird is happening in our culture where it's like, unless you agree with me, you're my enemy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's just scary to me because, you know, it kind of goes along with that idea that everyone did what was right in their own eyes. And again, it brings us back to this, am I going to live biblically or am I going to be uh, someone who says, mm, here's the line and unless you tow it, uh, I cannot be your friend. What do you think about this whole cancel culture? Well, Jesus is pretty clear. He says, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. So instead of saying, you know, being overwhelmed by the fact that you have enemies, use it as a platform to pray and love those who differ from you. And you just might learn a few things here and there. I think the the problem that I'm seeing in this past couple of years has been this, this enamor, uh, just being enamored with um, confirmation bias. And mm. basically, you know, what that means is I have a particular view and therefore I filter every single thing I see through that, my rightness in this view. And therefore you can dismiss facts. You can dismiss the word of God. You can dismiss the voice of a wise Christian. You can dismiss anything because it only filters through your comfort to confirm your bias on one particular issue. And so my prayer for Christians around the world is that we would have a kingdom bias instead of a confirmation Mm -hmm. bias. And a kingdom bias looks for the least, the last, and the lost. The kingdom bias is the Mm -hmm. one that wants to see the kingdom of God, not kingdoms of man rise and, you know, be in glory. Uh, a kingdom bias looks at the the brokenness of our world and asks, how can I be a part of the solution of this brokenness? Yeah. yeah. Oh. Well, I keep thinking that we're missing perhaps one of the most mighty moments in the history of the world to bring the good news of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. Like, like everything, the healing power of God, that there's hope after death. You know, I think, I mean, I, I have to just confess that God's been convicting me. Over 300,000 souls have gone into eternity Mm. in the last 10 months. And have I shared my faith here? And that's just in America. Have I shared my faith? Have I said, you know what? Listen, if you were to die, you can know where you'll spend eternity. I have to confess, I haven't been doing that. I I haven't. I, in fact, I've almost lost my voice on all sorts of arenas. If I'm not yelling my opinion, I'm not saying anything at all. Mm-hmm. And I, I wonder if the enemy is not just having a heyday right now when this could be the moment. I mean, the Bible says lots of people are saying this is the last days. 
Well, part of the last days, according to scripture, is a mighty influx of souls. And so Mm -hmm. I've just been asking God for boldness, not to share my opinion, but to share the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. Because we've got the answer. We really do. We do. And we have to live out that gospel. And that looks like when you look at the body of Christ in the New Testament, it's neither Jew nor Greek, male nor female, slave nor free. It, It represents all stratas of society. And if we only hang out with people that look exactly like us and have the exact same opinions, we are not representing the actual body of Christ. That is so good. That is so good. And I think that brings up the important point that even though you have certain views and you are a Christian, that doesn't mean that every other Christian has the same views. (laughs) And that we need to honor one another because I think that we can actually bring a balancing, a beautiful balancing, especially when it's within the lines of Scripture. And I, I keep looking at the Word of God, and I don't see a lot in the Word of God that tells me to stand up for my rights. Instead, it calls me to lay down my life. Mm-hmm. But that costs me something. And am I willing to pay the price to love people more than I love my opinion, to love them enough to tell them the good news? Oh, my goodness. There's so much stuff we could talk about, Mary. Um, I do want to mention that you have a beautiful Bible study called Into the Light that acts kind of as a companion to to the We Too book. Um, Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. So I was finding that there were some really great hearted people out there who may not have experienced trauma or abuse, but they had a friend or a family member that did, and they wanted to understand how to come alongside people who were broken like that. So Into the Light was my answer to that. It is. It has a twofold purpose, and I, I know you're not supposed to have a twofold purpose in a book, but this one has a twofold purpose. And the twofold purpose is to help those who want to be helpers to not... Um, you know, not suffer from compassion and uh, empathy fatigue. Um, But it's also for those who are walking through trauma, no matter what kind of trauma, it doesn't have to be sexual trauma, it could be divorce trauma, it could be death of a loved one trauma, um, life trauma, uh, and walk through the avenues of healing. And so I have found that a lot of people approach the book with, oh, well, I want to help other people. But then they start evaluating their own story and they walk that journey of healing and they come out better on the other end of that, but to the glory of God and not to my words. But um, that's the heart of that, st- of that particular study. I love that. I love that. Well, Mary has so many beautiful resources. I hope you'll go to her website and check it out. You can find the links in the show notes. But you have um, a special, just a some emails that you could send that are 21 healing letters and you can find those at we too, w e t o o .org forward slash 21 days um, to discover that you're not alone, that uh, God is with you. And there are people, I, I think that that's the thing I've just been praying. Oh God, would you make us, would you make us a family that when you do bring in that influx of souls, that we're ready to love them and we're ready to minister them and that we're ready, ready to train them and pray for them for, for healing and, and deliverance and whatever they need. Because, you know, the word says that he's, Jesus is coming for a pure and spotless bride. And I do wonder if God's not allowing some of this shaking to, to do a purifying in our individual hearts as well as our hearts as the body of Christ. Uh, that verse that says, you know, that he allows everything to be shaken that be, that can be shaken so that what cannot be shaken 
remains. And I don't know about you, Mary, but I'm feeling like I could use a little sifting, to be honest. And sifting is painful, but I want truth. I want God's truth to remain. What would you say to those women out there that are just feeling overwhelmed, (laughs) overwhelmed by everything that's going on, overwhelmed by the helplessness and the hopelessness that many of us feel? Well, I, I guess I, I jump back to prayer and um, I've been making it a habit lately of just just getting on my knees. And there's just something lovely about that humble place, that physical humble place. Uh, it's where you can say, I can't do this anymore, Lord. I don't know how to go forward. I don't know how to have conversations with my family. It's all stru- It's all fractured and messy. I want you to intercede. <laughs> and yeah. doing that on my knees, it feels like, you know, you talked earlier in the podcast about, okay, I'm walking into the presence of God. I'm in the throne room of God. I've got the Holy Spirit within me. Something about getting on your knees, just it just really helps me to physically realize it. You know what? That's exactly what's been happening to me <laughs> um, in this new prayer journey. I've God, I just have felt, not even like God told me to do it. I just have felt this physical um, need to be on my knees. And it really has brought such an intimacy. I mean, we're invited to come boldly. So so we're not coming as beggars, but there's something about go, uh, about that kneeling that just says, oh God, you are God and I am not. Mm-hmm. And I humble myself. Oh, how we need you. And you know, it reminds me of the verse that we are so familiar with. I think sometimes so familiar that we lose the power and the importance of the word. Second Chronicles 7.14, the Lord says these words, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. And for me, that bowing has just been, as you said, uh, just an act of humility. I haven't felt forced. I've just felt compelled. Like, God, I don't know what to do, but I know you do. But then it also not only humbling ourselves, but turning from our our own wicked ways. And that's just been my prayer, Lord. I can get my eyes on everybody else and miss the blind spot in my own, the plank in my eyes. And so that prayer, I I just totally agree. That's what we've got to come back to. We've got to come back to prayer. We've got to come back to biblical thinking, biblical living, because I really believe God wants to use us in a powerful way. And he wants us to get our eyes off of the distractions. He wants us to get close to his heart so we can hear what he would have us do. In the middle of all the confusion, how have you learned to discern what God wants you to do personally? Well, I I have to rely on, um, of course, my time with God, but also on the body of Christ. I recently made a pretty big decision. I am now a literary agent. And um, to make that decision, it was uh, getting wise counsel. It was praying and reading the scriptures, but it was also asking my prayer team for advice, but mostly for prayer. And so my encouragement to your listeners today is don't go this alone. Um, You're not called to be a Christian by yourself. You're called to community. 
And there is wisdom in that community. And there are prayer warriors in that community who, like Aaron and her, will hold up your arms during the battle and help you discern what is next for you or how to live in the culture that we live in or how to season your your conversation with grace. All of these things I learn by watching others and by being in community with others. Mm, so good. So good. Well, Mary, I could talk to you all day long, but I, I would just love to have you pray over us as we close our time together. I would love to. Dear Jesus, thank you for another day of life. Thank you for breath in our lungs. We lift up all those people in our lives today who are struggling, whether it be with health or mental illness or just uh, life circumstances, and we give you those burdens right now, and we, at, we thank you that your burden is light, that you carry our burdens for us. Lord, we give you our crazy world that we live in, and we pray, Lord, mm -hmm. that we would not be a part of um, creating more chaos, but that we would create shalom where we are, that great peace that comes from you, the peace that passes understanding. Uh, Lord, we need your voice. We need to hear your voice. We need to obey your voice, and we want to learn how to be humble enough to hear correction. Lord, um, Help us to take the log out of our own eye so that we can see clearly to take out the speck. And Lord, that log sometimes looks a lot like pride. It looks a lot like wanting to have the opinion um, that everyone likes or uh, wanting to have a life that we can control. Lord, take that log out, expose yes. us so that we can see what you yes. want to do with us. Um, Search our hearts, O oh God. Know our hearts. Lead us in that way everlasting. We need to know uh, if there's any hurtful way inside of us. And we want to be led in the everlasting ways. And we trust that you hold the whole wide world in your hands. Nothing is impossible for you. Nothing takes you by surprise. You are sovereign over all creation. We do not need to fear of uh, about arrows or uh, bombs or anything. We don't need to fear. <laughs> we don't need to fear. We just need to fear you. You who have the power to destroy body and soul in hell, you are the one that we choose to fear. And because of that, because you are holy, 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 we bow before you. We revere you. We worship you. We ask you to sift us. And we ask you to, we ask you to break up our fallow ground because it is time to seek the Lord. We love you, we worship you, we bow down and kneel before you, and we um, trust you uh, to make all things right. You are the righteous judge, and it's not our job to do it, so forgive us when we do. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, I don't know about you, but I needed this conversation. <laughs> Mary's calm wisdom really helped diffuse some of the confusion that I've been feeling. It's so easy to get swept up in controversy and argument that we lose our central purpose, our central focus, and that is the winsome, life-changing love of Jesus and the good news that He's given us to share. You and I have been given light and been called to be light in this dark world, but as Luke eleven thirty five warns us, we've got to be careful that the light within us is not dark. And that means we've got to allow the Holy Spirit to shine the light on us. Instead of pointing fingers at each other, instead of shouting our opinions and trying to shout each other down, let's get quiet before the Lord and let's spread our heart before Him and let Him show us what's really going on. In fact, I'd like to suggest that we get on our knees like Mary suggested. 
I'd like us to turn off social media and news platforms and turn to God for perspective for these troubled times. Because that's the only way we're going to have anything constructive and life-giving to offer the world. That's the only way that you and I will ever be able to live in love and lead like Jesus. See you next time, my friend.